Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Emerald Peaceful Green Forest. And if you're feeling caught up, confused, and off course as a leader in your current reality, but have a strong calling and big vision to bring to life, you'll be encouraged by our next guest. Known as the Empress of Encouragement, Emerald Peaceful Green Forest is one of America's premier experts, recipient of a Be the Change Movement to Watch Award, founding visionary of Art Walk Nashua, now in its 13th year, founder and lead visionary of the Creative Age Consulting Group, host and producer of the Men on Purpose podcast, a trusted guide and advisor to many of the world's leading influencers in the personal and professional development industry. I call Emerald, a voice of clarity in the sea of confusion, and you're going to be inspired and enlightened. And you're about to meet Emerald Peaceful Green Forest, a beautiful name and a beautiful soul. Emerald is going to be sharing some interesting ways to heal from betrayal that you may not have tried, but I invite you to be open to it because of the potential these modalities hold. Get ready to hear how someone who's been through so much can find hope, healing, and share it with others. I'm excited for you to meet Emerald. Here she is. I am so excited to share with you Emerald Peaceful Green Forest. She is one of the bravest, most fierce, most interesting women I know. And I I absolutely know you're going to enjoy this episode. So welcome, welcome, Emerald. We're just so excited to get started here. Oh, Debbie, thank you so much for having me. And that was really sweet of you to say that. <laughs> I received that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I remember when we when we spoke you unfortunately had many different betrayals and you know of course these things knock us down but they don't have to knock us out and you are an example of someone who just repeatedly just gets up and and starts over and rebuilds and comes back just stronger each time so let's just dive in can you just start you know, just just share with us a story or two about where you've been and and what you've overcome All right. Well, I feel like where I want to start is um, I want to start with my father who was uh, who was injured internally somehow. And I don't know how, but I know that as a result of whatever injured him internally, he became a raging alcoholic and um, very misogynistic and took his rage out on. Um, primarily me when we were, when I was a child, I had a a little brother and whenever there was any kind of contentious, you know, sibling, anything that was happening in our family, I was the one that was always uh, on the receiving end, usually of my father's belt or of his um, foot. So it was interesting as I was preparing for today's interview, uh, I was coming down the stairs and I had a flashback, a moment as I was coming down the stairs of being kicked down the stairs. Mm. So, you know, that was kind of the roots that I came from. And um, a lot of people, you know, I think have maybe one parent has issues and the other one maybe has less issues, but I had both, both of my parents had, had pretty interesting issues. And so My mom also was abusive, although she wasn't an alcoholic. And so I kind of began my my life journey in what I would call toxic soil. Mm -hmm. And it took me a number of years to 
kind of continually repeat again and again and again, creating relationships that resembled those, um, those original relationships Mm -hmm. that I came from, including men who were abusive. Uh, One of my early boyfriends was a police officer and he took me out actually and taught me how to shoot a gun. And one of the things he taught me was you never point a gun at anyone, loaded or unloaded, unless you intend to kill them. So I kind of, you know, listened to that as I was learning how to shoot. And several months later, I purchased a, a gun for him for his birthday. And our relationship was starting to deteriorate right around that time. Um, and he had thrown me over the couch a few times and ripped my glasses off my face and crushed them. And, mm. and so I bought this gun for him for his birthday, thinking that, you know, it would be a nice thing for him because he wanted uh, this little gun. And a few days after I bought him the gun, he, he took and put his hands on my neck and put me up against the wall and pointed the gun at me. Oh my gosh. And right in my face. And so his words, it took about 24 hours for, for the whole experience to sink in, but his words kept coming back to me that you never point a gun at anyone loaded or unloaded unless you intend to kill them. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I finally kind of got clued into the fact that I could have been dead. And what was really interesting, Debbie, for me in that particular story was I did not leave that relationship because I was fearful for my own life. I left that relationship because I, I speculated in my own mind after that happened, what would happen if I ever had children with this man? And so it was my projected future children that got me out of there more so than me caring for my own self. So and, I th- and I just, yeah, and I want to stop you there because that's such an important point. Why do you think that was the case, that you weren't really concerned about yourself and about it was about your future children? Um, and I think the reason why I wasn't concerned about myself was because I really had had come up and been trained to believe that I needed to be taking care of everyone else. Mm. So it wasn't about me. Like there was no me. The only me that was there was the me that was in service to taking care of everyone else. So going back to my mom, she was very emotionally immature. And so from the time I was a tiny baby, I was her emotional support. Mm -hmm. So I I had this programming in me that, that what I wanted wasn't even on the radar screen. It took me until I was 38 years old before a, a friend of mine who came back after many years, you know, like a high school person that came back at our mm-hmm. high school reunion. She said mm-hmm. to me, what do you want? And, and the question was so life opening for me, Debbie. It was just like, yeah. what? I actually get to have wants of and, my and, own. And this is, this is what's so important about what you're saying we have such programming from early on. And when it's not looked at, evaluated, unearthed, healed, it carries with us. And there's really no way to move past it until we take the measures to do that. So so you carried this with you, and this is pretty profound. Tell us what happened after that. 
Well, you know, I think what happened after, so I, I left, I did leave that man, but then I ended up getting into a variety of additional um, relationships. I ended up getting married. My first husband, I call him my husbands. <laughs> um, they was my husband. My first husband, basically, when I finally ended up in therapy after my son was born, it became clear that I had married a combination of my mother and my father. Mm. And, uh, and so... What's really interesting about therapy is it allows you to distinguish what's going on, but it doesn't necessarily help you to transcend it. It's just for, for me, the experience was, okay, great. I understand what I'm doing here. I've married a combination of my mother and my father. Now, how do we fix this? Mm-hmm. So for me, I became a fixer. I was so into fixing. Like, how can I fix this person? How can I fix that? How can I fix this dynamic that's going on. How can I turn myself into a pretzel, literally, mm-hmm. so that it will harmonize in some way, at, at generally speaking, at my expense? So my first husband was very, uh, you know, he had a lot of challenges, mental health issues, um, anxiety, depression, violence, gambling addiction, you know, just all, everything. Mm-hmm. He had a, a, a lot of issues. And we, I, I tried to be the woman that I felt I was supposed to be based upon not just my familial uh, patterns and conditioning, but also from the cultural conditioning and the cultural patterns that I saw um, that were what impressed my, my awareness of, of the world. You know, we had the commercials, you got to I, I don't know if you remember the Anjali commercial. Of course, yeah. You got to bring home the bacon, fry it up in the pan, and never let him forget he's a man. So there was no no real good modeling for me of self-care mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And so and- that relationship, you know, ultimately ended up deteriorating after my son was sexually assaulted in daycare, where, <sighs> you know, I had put him into daycare in with this woman who I thought, you know, she was a friend and her son and my son were born around the same time. And we had, had, um, raised them together essentially for the first three years, they were buddies. And I had him over at her house for daycare and she left and left him in the care of her husband's stepbrother, who was 14 at the time. And my son was three and he was sexually assaulted by this 14 year old. And, and, you know, and you know, the show is about betrayal. So here is a huge Betrayal, because trust is completely violated. So what happened when you figured that out? Or h- how did you figure that out? Ah, well, he told us, my son was three, but very articulate. And he told us about a week later. Oh, um, wow. And so here's, I want to come back, Debbie, to the self-betrayal. Mm. Because uh, what happened when this occurred was she had called me that day. And she had said, I have an appointment I have to go to and I'm going to leave the boys with, you know, the nephew, the, the mm-hmm. half brothers, uh, uh, her husband's half brother. Mm-hmm. And it was nap time and, and I was going to pick them up, you know, an hour and a half later or whatever. So it was literally only an hour and a half window of time. And she, you know, she had left her own son with this boy and I never in a million years would have thought that anything like that would have happened. And so I said, okay, of mm-hmm. course, you know, mm-hmm. it's nap time. What's going to happen during nap time? Right. 
So, um, yeah. And so what happened after that was I put my son right away into um, psychological help and the marriage fell apart and I picked up the guilt. I carried the guilt. Like I should have known better. It was my fault that this happened. Why didn't I know? Why didn't Mm -hmm. I choose that day instead of, and here was the other thing, Debbie was, I didn't have to put him in daycare that day. I chose to take the day for myself. Right. So, so I can imagine just about every negative emotion that we can experience going through you at that time. Yeah, everyone. And yeah. For, for many years after, it took me many, many years to heal from that, um, from that experience. Right. And how, how, what'd you do? I mean, how did that affect your relationship with your son, with your, you know, with that, you know, that, that friend, what happened with all of that? Yeah. So what was really interesting about that was as soon as he told us, and he was three years old and it was very graphic. I mean, you know, it's not something a three-year-old is going to make up. Mm -hmm. We, um, we took him to the police and he told his story to the police. Even the police said he was the most articulate child abuse victim that they had ever had in in the police station because he was very detailed. He told exactly what happened. I was so grateful to, uh, there's an organization called the Little Iguana Children's Safety Foundation, and they had gone into his preschool probably three months before this happened and taught Run, Yell, and Tell. And and when he came home and, and started talking to me about Run, Yell, and Tell, I was thinking, oh my God, isn't he too young to be like he's only three, he's still a baby. Mm-hmm. He's too young to be, you know, hearing these horrible possibilities. And then literally three months later, uh, this happened. And it was because of the little iguana that he was able to tell. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Can you so, just share the name of that one more time just so the, l- the listeners yeah, have it? It's called the little iguana, L-I-L-I-G-U-A-N-A, Children's Safety Foundation. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. And I actually became a board member. I was a board member and their treasurer for like 10 years because, you know, the, the, what they did for me was so profoundly powerful and what they did for our family was so profoundly powerful. And, and after he told us, he had, um, he had actually been threatened by this boy that if he told he was going to, the boy was going to kill, um, the other little boy. Oh. Yeah. And he demonstrated that with my son's little baby. That my son had a little, you know, a little baby, a little cuddly baby that he carried with him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he, like a stuffed, like a like a little stuffed a doll. doll. Okay, I got it. Okay. Um, which we called baby, and okay. baby had a little rattle in his heart center, and the boy ripped open baby <sighs> that this is what I'm going to do to Nick, to the other little boy if you tell. So my son telling was hugely, hugely, hugely brave on his part. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine the fear he must have had. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, so now here you are experiencing this, the, the guilt and, and everything that goes along with it. How did you move past that? How did you heal from that? Well, um, part of what happened was I ended up about three years later, I divorced my, um, his dad, mm-hmm. the marriage fell apart and I had a spiritual awakening. And so I have to say, Debbie, that, you know, a lot of the shifts that have happened in my life came as a result of what I'm going to call divine intervention, whether it was divine intervention through that friend who said to me, 
what is it that you want? Which was right around the same time that I was, you know, um, contemplating divorce from my husband. She came in with that message and said, what is it that you want? And, and literally opened my, my mind and my awareness and cracked open this cement cage I had myself in that said, you know, no matter what, uh, I had to take care of everyone and put myself into a pretzel. So um, her asking that question, and then from there, I had a multiple, multiple spiritual awakening experiences that just really led me onto a path of healing. And so the healing journey has been amazing and has allowed me to also accumulate so many tools in my own toolbox. So for example, one of the first things I did was sound healing. I went to this woman and I laid on her table and she played these interesting sounds and, mm -hmm. and it started to shift things of, around my relationship with my father. And then I started to work with uh, yoga. Yoga really did a number on me. <laughs> and and oh. you know what? And I don't even want to, I don't want to rush through these processes because they, they're so incredibly healing or they can be depending on yeah. who you are, what you, what you're interested in. So talk to us a little bit about sound healing. Why did that help you? What, and what shifts did you notice? So sound healing, I actually have become a naturally ordained sound healer. So I can use the sound of my voice to to move things in, in your energy field. So we have to talk about energy and energy fields if we're gonna talk about sound and sound mm -hmm. healing. So sound is the original creative force. And when we have experiences where we have had trauma, what happens in our physiology is that the trauma gets frozen. It gets crystallized and it does not get processed through our corpus callosum, which is the connecting bundle between the left and right brain. And what sound does is it literally at the cellular molecular level starts to, to vibrationally shake up the stuck pattern mm -hmm. so that it can process through and it doesn't get stuck in our physiology. So when we've been wounded or traumatized in any way as a child or in any period of our life, sound is one of the most amazing and powerful tools that we can use because it literally transcends the mental body. So is this why, I mean, because music can be so incredibly moving. Yes. You, you just feel it in your, in your, your body, your mind, your heart. Is this why? Yes, that is exactly why. Wow. And that's why it's so important to make sure that you are, you know, putting in the, the music and the sound that is, uh, you know, going to be harmonious. That's why being in nature is so important and listening to the sounds of nature, the wind rustling through the, the trees, the birds chirping, the sound of the leaves crunching under your feet. Mm -hmm. Very, very healing. In addition to the, you know, the other healing properties of nature, um, sound is a profound profound tool. That's so interesting. And are there certain sounds that are just more welcomed depending on the type of trauma or, or what someone's experiencing, or is it just an individual thing? Um, well, the, the bass sound of the heartbeat is always going to be, um, allow people to step out of the fight or flight uh, mode. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. that basic sound. And that's why drumming and drum um, circles and drum CDs and shamanic journey CDs and things like that are really, really powerful because the drumming actually literally puts you into a different, uh, I can't remember whether it's theta state. Mm -hmm. Uh, It puts you into a different state of uh, nervous system processing Mm -hmm. and allows you to open up not only to uh, healing your own traumas, but it also allows you to open up to the vastness of of reality, which is not what we think it is. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And I've always heard about drumming and I've seen it. I didn't really understand it. So the idea is you're, you're in some way replicating the sound of the heart, which- And, be, and being in the womb. And be, wow. Yeah, okay. That, in so yeah. interesting. Okay. So, so sound healing and, and there's, that sounds like it's, it's an entire topic, but you, is there, is that something that you teach or that you, you what do you, as far as how you would help someone with that? What, what do you do? You choose the right sounds for them or what do you do? Well, so one of the things that I have done in the past, uh, was I actually produced a CD, a crystal singing bowl healing CD, but I've also used my voice. So how I use sound now uh, is anytime I'm speaking. So for example, we're speaking right now, Debbie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, sound plus intention equals healing. So I always, whenever I'm speaking, set the intention in advance that whatever comes through my sound channel, through my voice, through my words. And it's not even about the words, Debbie. It's about the vibration that's coming through my vocal cords and my intention. Whenever I speak, it's my intention that whoever is listening will receive a healing and a transformation. Beautiful. You mentioned yoga too. How did yoga help you? Well, I'll never forget the time I was in my um, very beginning yoga. Uh, first of all, yoga is really good for you for the stress relief. It's really good to have flexibility as well as strength. But one of the things that one of my teachers invited us to do one day in yoga was look down at our heart. And I remember lying in Shavasana and attempting, Shavasana is the final pose. It's called corpse pose. And you're just lying there allowing the effects of what you've just done to integrate. And I'm in Shavasana and she says, look down at your heart. And I couldn't look at my own heart. And this was Mm. very early on. This was around the time I was going through the divorce process. I couldn't look at my own heart. And, and I remember like that actually burst me open the invitation to look at my heart, then recognizing that I couldn't look at my own heart and then feeling the, the uprising of sadness around that, which actually opened my heart. It was just Mm -hmm. super, super powerful. So yoga has been a practice since 2001 and will continue to be a practice throughout my life. And I've also, um, you know, I have other tools. I work with crystals. I'm a medicine woman in the shamanic tradition of the Inca people. I'm a medicine bundle carrier. You know, so many, so many uh, different ways of healing and so many different modalities of healing, Reiki and uh, multidimensional healing and Shambhala. Mm -hmm. And there's just been so many different ways that I healed myself and 
now also have those tools in my toolbox. One of the really powerful healing tools that I have in my toolbox is land healing. So um, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. In 2016, I made the decision in, um, in March or April of 2016 that I was complete being rooted in the toxic soil of abuse and addiction. By then, my son was five years into uh, addiction issues with every possible drug that you can imagine, and some that you didn't even know existed. And I made a decision that I was complete with being, having my own energy and my life force and my life embedded in this soil of toxic addiction and abuse. And I made land ceremony and I went to every single piece of property that I had ever lived on uh, in the area, 10 different pieces of property and every piece of property, there were stories. You know, I went to the place Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. the guy put the gun in my face. I went to the the house where I was with my first husband. I went to the house where I was with my second husband. I Mm -hmm. went to all these places where I lived with my parents starting with my family home. And I made ceremony on the land that day with the intention that I was going to uproot from this soil of toxicity and abuse and addiction. And at every piece of property, I brought to my mind what had happened and what was the gift of that? Mm -hmm. What was the gift of that? What was the gift of that? And made this ceremony and came home that night. And my son, um, at that point was in day three of a huge, uh, addiction thing that he was going through and became enraged and threw me on the couch in the basement and locked me in the basement and told me he was going to cut me up in little pieces and throw me in the river. So, um, that was a huge rite of passage and I was able to get out of the basement. He ended up going into jail and, and the police officer that night said he was going to be charged with a felony. And even in the midst of that, Debbie, I, I, I almost could not tell the story again. Mm -hmm. The the Mm -hmm. sergeant said, you have to go talk to the detectives. Now I had told the story twice said, now you have to talk to the detectives because this is a felony. And I had to choose. I had to choose. And he looked at me and he said, you don't have to talk to the detectives, but if you don't talk to the detectives, this will be your life. And I was so grateful to, again, another divine intervention. I was so grateful to him because I said, oh, hell no, this is not going to be my life. And uh, yeah. And so. And and so what'd you do? I told, I went and talked to the detectives and, and they put my son in jail and they charged him with felony kidnapping and um, a variety of other charges, domestic violence and all of those wow. things. And, and three days after that, I received a new name. Uh, and, is- and that's, we have to go there because it's, it's so interesting. And when you think of all the different ways to heal from betrayal, and you mentioned sound healing and yoga and all those other other therapies and methodologies and something when like changing your name, what was the, what was the intention behind that? And, and, and why did you choose the name that you chose? Yeah. So if there was no intention and there was no choosing of the name, what there was, was sitting in meditation three days after my son had just tried to kill me. Um, and in that morning meditation, literally 
what bubbled up and it, it the, the sensation was a bubbling up, Debbie. It came mm-hmm. up from below. What bubbled up was your emerald now. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. And, but I had had a name change before, before I was Emerald, I was actually Amethyst Wildfire. And that, that experience, I, I went through a a significant, you know, name change with going to Amethyst Wildfire. So I had been through the process before. Mm -hmm. So when Emerald came, I was just accepting. It was Mm -hmm. just, of course. Okay. Of course. And then the next day I said, okay, do I have a a new last name as well. <laughs> and it, and and Green Forest came and then Peaceful came. And by day three, I was at the court, uh, you know, filing the papers. And do you feel like Emerald Peaceful Green Forest now? Uh, it has taken two years and uh-huh. I am still integrating that. I am uh-huh. still uh, dismantling a lot of, of the old energy of Amethyst Wildfire and mm-hmm. integrating Emerald Peaceful Green Forest, but every day it's more and more. Today I'm going to make ceremony and I'm uh, taking a piece of amethyst with me to make ceremony on the land where I grew up as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm burying that little last piece of amethyst uh, that holds a certain charge to it. And so I would expect tomorrow I'll be even more peaceful, Debbie. Right. And you know, and I just want everybody to realize that this is a process and and healing from betrayal, whatever the betrayal is, big, small, whatever, whatever, it it takes conscious awareness. It takes it takes letting go. It, it takes a, a certain level of forgiveness. It takes seeing things from a different perspective, allowing. What do you want to make sure everybody knows before we wrap up? Yeah, gratitude. It also takes gratitude. Mm. So when I made that ceremony that day that uh, I went to all of those pieces of property, that was the work. The work was looking straight in the face of those betrayals and distilling out of each of those vignettes, what was the gift and finding gratitude for that. So gratitude is the currency of the universe and currency is gratitude in action. So gratitude is what I would say. Debbie. Beautiful, beautiful. And how do we learn more about you? You can go to emeraldgreenforest.com and you can go to forward slash gift, emeraldgreenforest.com forward slash gift. There you will find a eight minute instant clarity meditation that is my gift to you. And if you decide you'd like to opt in there, you can, but it's not necessary. You can just receive Oh, wonderful. I want to thank you so much for your time just in sharing your profound experiences, your healing and and how you did it. I know you gave so much hope and inspiration for everybody listening. Thanks so much. You know, as Emerald shared those stories, I felt the fear, pain, guilt, sadness, and other emotions I can only imagine she felt at the time. Those emotions are toxic when they're held in the body, and she gave us some interesting ways to diffuse them. She also gave us a beautiful gift you can find at emeraldgreenforest.com forward slash gift. And we'll have the link in the show notes over at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. The concept of death and rebirth leads to transformation. Sometimes you need to let go and end everything that was so that you can make room and space for what can be. Emerald gave a few beautiful examples of that as her journey kept unfolding. 
and let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.